Good evening, and welcome to Weird Mountain, where the men are tough and the sheep are scared. I'm Gomez the Yardman. While the gals are busy doing whatever it is witches do this time of year, I thought I'd take a moment to let you know how much we all appreciate you listening to the show. Thanks for tuning in. I also wanted to let you know that things can sometimes get a little strange up on Weird Mountain. Especially this time of year, the veil, she's very thin. What you're about to hear are stories. But are they just stories? The gals say no. Decide for yourself. But don't say I didn't warn you. No! <laughs> But that ain't what we're talking about today. We're talking about spooks. And so I've got a funny story for you. Speaking of multi-generational uh, trauma. So a friend, a friend of mine tells this story. And and I have his permission, as long as I don't use anybody's names, to tell this story. Okay. So it was one of those. He was he is now a very grown-up man. He's probably in his early 70s. Handsome feller, too, in case he's listening. I want him to hear that. And he, he and his wife are really good friends of, of mine. And he was telling me this story about when he was the littlest one in the family. He's the baby. So let's say that that's say, 65 years ago, maybe 70 years okay. ago. It's a long time ago. Back when they still built their own coffins at home. You know, they always had the wood out in the barn. Right. And the, the body would lay in state. Mm-hmm. So... They had his, I guess it was, let's say it's his great-grandma. His great-grandma had died, and so the whole family came in like families do or did back in the old days. And they would, you know, they put him in all the rooms and cubby holes they could to sleep, but they put all the young'uns down on pallets on the floor, on the, on the first floor, okay. where great-grandma was laying in state. So okay. there she is, and there's flowers and, you know, remnants of food and probably full ashtrays. You know how, how, that, how that looked. And, yeah. um, and the little young ones are get, just getting bedded down for the night. And whoever is saying good night to him, now y'all be good, be sweet, have sweet dreams, all that stuff. And just as that person is about to turn off the light, one of them stinkers yells, oh, I think I seen her move. Oh, <laughs> oh my God. And the screaming and the squealing happened and all the lights came on and, and everybody got a whooping except for the baby. <laughs> Isn't that the greatest thing? Oh, man. Well, <laughs> let me say, first of all, I think that it's commendable to let your children be in the house. While grandma's laying in state. Well, that just shows how natural that was, though, back right. then. They wouldn't have hidden that from the children because the children, right. by then, they may have seen some of their siblings die of whatever. And let me also say that that goes back to the old ways prior to uh, funeral homes. And I, it's not that I hate on funeral homes or anything, well, but honestly, either. I don't, I don't. If I had my druthers, 
I would never have a relative in a funeral home. If you've ever learned anything about the embalming process, eh. it, it just that I can't think of any reason to do it. I, you know, and they do a lot of things to suppress the natural things that happen when you die, when the body dies, it's a process. You yes. Know? So let's, yes. Just, let's just talk about this subject for a quick second and it may not be the best. So if you've got kids or if you're squeamish about the subject, walk away now, hit the mute button now. But the dying is a process unless your body is blown to bits by some sort of physical trauma. If you die, say, of a heart attack or something like that, it takes hours and hours and hours for the functionality of your brain to stop. It take, Just because you're, you're no longer among the living, it doesn't mean that all of your processes have stopped. The last sense to go, from what I've been told, is the sense of hearing. You can still think for hours after your body has quit breathing. And not only that, but your physical body has to settle into its settled state. So that means that blood has to still move. It goes down wherever gravity takes it. It means that your muscles and your nerves will, the neurons in your nerves will fire and you will jerk and you will move, and you will pass gas loudly, <laughs> you know, as things settle down. And that is just the natural process. And so that's where the family went wrong. They should have set the kids down and said, now, you know, grandma's still going to make a little few noises. And if you hear her farting, just don't wig out. <laughs> just, just know that's her way of saying I'm good. But <laughs> I'm doing all right. And oh, so you're thinking he, well, whoever said that really saw grandma move. I believe they I'm thinking have. they were just trying to, it was a stinker, trying to freak everybody out. <laughs> well, it could have been. See, that's the thing you don't know. But that's why they put coins on the eyelids, because one of the first things that happens is as your face is settling into its death mask, your eyes will pop open. Yeah, that would be enough to wig out anybody, I believe. And so in the old days, they'd put a coin on top of your eyes because it would hold the eyelids down. Yep. So how you ask, do I know all of this? <laughs> and I'm going to say, I don't know how I know all of this stuff. I can't remember how. Well, because it's interesting. I it, mean, there's a, a place I love to go to, and I've been there several times called the Museum of Appalachia. <laughs> and it's a uh, it's. I think in Tennessee, might be Kentucky, but it's anyway, right along the line there. I love that place so much. It's got the weirdest collections of stuff in it. But one of my favorite parts of the collection is upstairs, and it's kind of death-related stuff. Mm -hmm. And um, they've got a, a couple of big old, old-fashioned hearses and some interesting coffins. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I... I just love it. And angel crowns. You know what angel crowns are? I do, yes, yes. They've got some a couple of angel crowns that you can look at that are under under glass. Yeah, oh. it's a really cool place. But I'm fascinated by all that stuff. Birthing and deathing and everything in between. Well, it just kind of feels like a birthright, doesn't it? Or part of the job description. 
you know, the birthing and death in part. But I've always thought that that would be a more natural way to die, to be brought back to the living room and to be surrounded by family. That was also because they, they felt like your soul didn't leave your body right away. And of course, you know, that's a personal decision, what you think about it, but that's why they would have somebody sit up with the dead. You see? Well, and it, and it also, it speaks to the family dynamics too, that, that I think we are, I don't know that we're losing them, but they are changing certainly. Oh yeah. And, and how it is that always here anyway, I don't know if it's true other places, maybe our, uh, some of our listeners will tell us, but there's always somebody in the family that holds the story of the death. Right. And they know when they went to the hospital and what symptoms they had, how long they were there, or they know what happened with the accident and how they did this and this. And, and it is not a burden for them to tell that story. It right. is in fact part of their grieving process. Right. It is. And we know so, now that it is part of the grieving process. Yes. So whoever holds the story of the death, you, you go to them and you go, oh, honey, tell me what happened. And then you hear the, hear the story and people outside the culture come in and they think, well, that's just such a burden on that poor person to have to tell the story over and over and over. But we are a culture of, of storytellers. Yeah, we are. So the, the telling of it gets better every time <laughs> and more details get remembered or they uh -huh. get added in. And yeah. so it's not, it is not a burden to ask for that story. In fact, if you don't ask for the story of the death, right. then it is assumed that you don't care enough. And, and some people, you, there's always some people in the family who are squeamish. So if it's, and, and everybody knows who those people are. So if you are telling the story of the death to the squeamish person, you may leave out some stuff you would tell that you would be happy to tell to a 14 year old boy right. who wants to know about body fluids and all that stuff. Exactly. Oh,